Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the officially unofficial Def Leppard podcast, Def Pod. Now this episode is the Stadium Tour Part 2. We had a Part 1 on episode 32 where we had Chris Preston on and he very much gave a musical review of Def Leppard on the Stadium Tour and also touched on some of the other bands as well. This Stadium Tour episode, however, is slightly different because this focuses on a couple of fan adventures. We've got Judeon who went to six different shows on the Stadium Tour, having not seen the band for 30 years. And then we've got Dave Church on as well, who's seen the band up to 20 times now, but this is the first time he's left the UK and gone over to see them in the States. Those two met up, and as well as seeing the band on stage, they had some very exciting encounters too, and there's loads of interest and backstory and things that went on around it as well. So, without further ado, you've had the Stadium Tour Part 1, the review. Here is the Stadium Tour Part 2, the fan adventure. So, Churchy, are you looking forward to regaling us with your adventures of the stadium tour today? Absolutely, can't wait, my friend. Okay, and Judy, do you think you're going to get a word in edgeways today? Oh, absolutely. I'm Dominican after all. We'll do this. <laughs> you're both confident. There's a lot to be said, so we will crack on. Would it come to you first, Judy? No messing around. Let's get some basic facts going first. So, you went to a number of shows on the stadium tour. I am not remotely jealous because that is a negative emotion, <laughs> but I am slightly envious. Could you tell us what shows did you go to? I have been to, I've been very, very, um, just so blessed to have been able to see, it turns out to be instead of five shows, I went to six. So went to six shows. Um, I went to uh, this city field in New York City, um, went to Citizens Bank, Park in Philly, uh, Hershey Park Stadium in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Um, we went to the Fenway uh, Park Boston shows there at Churchy, you and I, uh, for both shows, four and five. And the final show I went to was actually Pittsburgh in uh, Pennsylvania, um, almost getting towards Ohio. So I got to see all of them there. And they were all so different. Everything you can possibly imagine about the shows were completely different. It was super wild. And those yeah. places close to each other or are they far away from each other all of those different places if you took the two cities that were the furthest away mm. is that a gentle you know 30 miles <laughs> or is that you know seven hours on a plane it's uh, seven hours on a plane america is very very large i think it's all you know it really depends on where you're from um you guys being on the uk i would imagine a three or four hour drive is, is sounds extensive to you guys but for us you know, I have to say that the furthest I drove out to was Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is close to Ohio. And that took about, I mean, I had to stop for gasoline. I had to stop to kind of take a minute. Driving really hurts my back after a while. But um, it's about six hours, I want to say. It took uh, between six to eight hours to really complete the entire ordeal. Um, it's about a normal person. It would take about five, six hours. But for me, it's closer to seven and then if you take it from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and say you go all the way back up to Boston, Boston from New York is about four hours, so north. So I would say it'll be like a 10-hour roundabout, <laughs> give or take, 
uh, to complete okay. one site at the end. Yeah. So, so you're not doing exactly you're not exactly doing Taylor Swift terrible climate damaging <laughs> things, but you know you're doing a, a fair good a good few miles. But I think it's totally worth it to go and see the laps, right? Judy, another question for you before I come on to Churchy. Oh, Judy and Churchy, that's nice, right? <laughs> no sitting on the fence. Mm. I don't want you to tell me oh you can't choose none of this, none of this stuff. Okay. Which show was the best that you went to out of the six and why? Well, I will give you that answer. It was really, really tough, but I think it's important to talk about really the differences between the shows briefly, if that's okay. The first big one is, is that every single show, I mean, I want to say New York City and Philly, for example, and Boston were the were, were cities. They were proper cities, a lot of people, a lot of congestion, for example, that, that type of a thing. And then, of course, Hershey Park in Pittsburgh, it's more rural. It's its really out there. There's a lot more acreage. And just the experiences are different to start. So for every single one um, that I was blessed to go to, it was just such a different experience. Um, it's so tough. But um, they all had, I want to just touch on why they were all so important. And then I'll tell you the answer to that point. Um, the one for City Field in New York City, obviously, it's important. It's my first show back seeing the boys the dudes after 30 years. So that was really extensively just, uh, it was such a thrill. Um, and then of course the show right after that, the next very next day was the Philadelphia show that I took my then eight year old son to. So it was a really, it was his, his first rock concert. We're following the tradition of what my, what my mother did for me back in 92 when I first saw them, you know, 30 years ago. So that had a lot of meaning and difference. Um, you know, Hershey Park, we got to hang out with friends. I got to hang out with, uh, you know, for the first time, really got to hang out with other fans. Um, you know, Carol Fisher and uh, Laurie Jackson Black were really lovely to hang with. So it was really great. And of course, the Fenway Park shows in Boston, I got to hang out with Churchy. So it's just, it's, 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 it's all the experiences are so different with the fans that, you know, I get to spend time with and just the shows themselves. They were all different set lists, which we'll go into later. And it's just, it all tasted different. It all felt really different and different is good. All the venues were a little different from each other as well. And the final one in Pittsburgh, um, the reason that's important to me, it was, it was a really long drive, but it felt, it felt like I was culminating into just like the end of a really important journey. So when I got to drive so far by myself and being differently abled and, and being that independent, and especially after the pandemic where we, we really were not going anywhere, it was really such a high to be able to travel like that. I used to travel all the time and it's become a lot tougher to do that independently. So that was a really huge journey. And that one was personally for me. Pittsburgh became my show to basically finalize that. So all of that. But I have to tell you, to answer your question, I think the best shows, the, the best show by far, I mean, it's hard. It's the first show in New York City was I think needs to it's between New York City and then of course the second Boston show on Saturday um, just for completely different reasons and they're basically neck and neck I have to say we'll go into why later Georgie we'll definitely <laughs> discuss why it was so wild but um, you'd think it'd be Boston really because so much happened you know we got front row meeting greets we got to meet the band we ended up <laughs> kind of crazily staying in the same hotel as the band and got to meet all these people, like meet, meet them and a bunch of other people. But for me, it's it's New York, you know, City Field in, in Flushing, Queens, New York. My, my 
just being in my hometown, the last time I saw, first and last time I saw Def Leppard in 92 was also in New York and in Madison Square Garden. And for me, oh man, it's, it's just the opener. It's not just the anticipation of the entire ride, having a full community. I had the worldwide support. You guys are all calling me like, Judy, get in there. And it felt really supportive. And I went there on my own and it was my heart. I mean, I was anxious the whole time <laughs> trying to maneuver a concert. Like, how do we do this, you know, and on my own and walking with my trusty cane. And I'm like, am I going to get run over? Are the people going <laughs> to, you know, just not take care of me in that sense with everybody will you know, I don't know, I just, I wasn't sure what to expect, but I got to be up there near the thrust in the front row. And as the countdown started and everything went and that perf oh, that song is so perfect. What a phenomenal opener. Take, take what you want is, is the, the greatest of leopard song. I think I've heard in maybe 20 years. It's, it was in a way that you open with it. I, I don't think my, my heart ever left my, 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 my throat ever the entire time. And just the entire experience of that, you know, I, I got to, I got to hear, you know, all these great songs from the new album and, you know, see that first set list because I was able to be part of two different set lists, which was really, really special, you know, but, uh, but for me, it's, it's just the entire set, you know, I got to, you know, I got to hear songs from Hysteria that I had only heard that one time in 92 and, it's just, oh man, and I, and I got to hear Photograph, <laughs> finally. Mm -hmm. So I get, I get it, and yeah, that makes total sense. It's hometown yeah. city. It's yeah. the same place that you saw them the first time round, and then obviously there's been a 30-year gap, and then you get to see them for the first time in 30 <laughs> years, which must ultimately feel like seeing them for the first Well, the first time you've seen them as an adult, certainly. So... That's quite the experience, and we're definitely going to come back and revisit all that, Judy. Yes. So don't worry, there's going to be loads of opportunities <laughs> to talk about all of this stuff. But while we're talking about the experience of a young lady from New York, let's move over to the experience of a young man from <laughs> South Wales. <laughs> Churchy, you've obviously seen Def Leppard a lot over the years, but interestingly, you've only ever seen them in the United Kingdom. This was your first experience of seeing Def Leppard in the States, obviously seeing them on those two consecutive nights in Boston. I think my question to you is, how does seeing Def Leppard in the UK differ to seeing them in the States? Ah, very interesting there, Neil. Well, this little little guy, you know, from South Wales, it's always been a dream to see Def Leppard in America. And in 2018, while I was hanging around at one o'clock in the morning at Nottingham for the tour buses, I was chatting to a crew member and he said, have you ever seen Def Leppard in the States? And I said, that is the bucket list dream. And this year, the bucket list dream came true. I think there was extra sort of anticipation, just like for all of us, like Judy said, the fact that we've had COVID, it's been a terrible couple of years. And the fact that gigs are getting back, and you can get out to see different gigs, that has been incredible. But to actually to see Def Leppard for the first time in America was the ultimate rite of passage. I think back, Neil, when we did the In The Round podcast and, you know, we mm. talked so much about how that's ingrained in our brain. It was super exciting to think that, although it obviously wasn't in the round, it was going to be the US stadium tour. And as you and I know, 
we have to wait three years between tours to see Def Leppard in the UK. And like um, some very privileged fans in America and Canada who get to see them sort of year in, year out. So this was super magical. And for me, I think a big thing was like I've seen Def Leppard 18 times in the UK, but 17 times have been indoors. So you and I were both blessed to be at the Don Valley show, beautiful June day. And Boston was 95 plus the humidity. I was absolutely sweltering <laughs> there. And it took me straight back to what it was like for you and I at Don Valley, probably even hot a few being uh, further up close than I was. But just to see Def Leppard in a stadium where you and I know they rightfully belong in the UK as well was absolutely magical. So I did my usual research before I went out. I saw that Fenway Park is roughly around 37,000 people per concert. The fact that I was going to do Def Leppard back-to-back simultaneous nights and the only band I've ever done that with is Bon Jovi in 2008 at the Milton Keynes back-to-back shows. This was going to be super magical. So being in America with the American fans in an outdoor stadium, in Swellerton Heat, seeing the most highly anticipated rock tour of the last couple of years, for sure, it was just a beautiful mess with the mind without any um, bad or coarse swearing. It was epic. You can swear in this one, I think. It's going to be emotional. <laughs> let's just swear. Okay, let's swear. Right, okay. Um, are the crowds any different, Dave? Did you notice any difference yeah, between yeah. a UK crowd and a US crowd? Okay, tell me a bit about that. Right. I'm interested in that. This I'm interested was, in all of it, but I'm yeah. interested in that particular. This was super interesting because, you know, I was trying to think of this and we see all the stills and, you know, the cameraman uh, who chose certain people sort of in the round and we've got certain stills, Don Valley, not so many stills really in the light from London and Vegas, but still, and it's sort of like comparison of what you might expect. So yesterday morning, after doing a four-hour run around to get the Asteria Violet uh, limited edition HMV release, which I'm glad you've now subsequently bought, Neil. I was actually chatting to our good friend and fellow contributor to Def Leppard, Chris Preston. So um, Chris and I were having a little chat yesterday, and um, as Chris alluded to on his episode, I said to Chris, I will obviously talk about this today, pour some sugar on me in America you ain't seen anything like it. It is absolutely <laughs> off the scale, right? It is phenomenal. And the reason I say that is, you know, we love Pour Some Sugar on Me. I've been at 17 shows, the majority right at the front where you've got, you know, the real hardcore fans going mad. But particularly on the, you know, on the Friday night, Judy and I were sitting, luckily, almost directly behind the Red Sox dugout. And there was only two neighbours with us, wasn't there, Judy? And we were yeah. all dancing, <laughs> right? And we were rocking, and they were 18-year-old children. You know, young men, really, young women going absolutely mental for pour some sugar on me. And you could yeah. just sense something in the audience. But cue the Saturday night, when Judy and I are front row and pour some sugar on me comes on, the only imagery in your mind will be the images that you put in from the words I say, so I'm not going to be responsible 
for how you <laughs> see this in your mind. But let's just say there were lots of um, lots of lovely ladies in their forties <laughs> and fifties and sixties, and they were dancing with their husbands, their partners, their boyfriends, as if they were seventeen again. And it was the high school prom, or as I said with Chris yesterday, it really was the summer of nineteen eighty eight. And maybe that was a high school prom dance, or maybe mm-hmm. that was uh, a very special song for a very special first time. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> it, it was certainly eye-opening. Um, I think you might remember Neil back in the UK on on the one tour. We had images of the silhouette ladies uh, dancing during uh, "Pour uh, Some Sugar on Me." Well, you actually got to see this, you know, with your very own eyes, surrounded. Everywhere you look, it was absolutely everything I imagined it to be, didn't imagine it to be, and so much more. And I honestly would say, how did Possum Sugar on me, therefore, not get to number one and only get to number two? It just took the gig to the nth degree, and it is something to behold, young man. So one day, (laughs) you and I, USA, you will sleep with your own eyes. I have to say what remained the same is their consistency, meaning that no matter what they played, no matter where they were, this is a traveling circus. Anyone who who does production work like I have done in the past, it's so hard. It's such a, it's almost unimaginable the type of wrangling one has to do to take this show, not just live, but on the road to so many different venues and locations with so many other bands, obviously they're working with, but Def Leppard, does it, does it matter if they're in, in New York City, Philly, Pittsburgh, Boston, outer space? They sound unbelievably just, mm. I mean, I I mean, I don't want to use the word perfect in that sense, but very damn close to it, I'll tell you. Yeah. But I, I think what changed over time is that, you know, they got more and more progressively, not just relaxed, because I think they were relaxed on stage in general, but I, I feel the need to say that, um, they really take what they do really, really seriously. You know, they, they understand that the fans are, are out there to, to see something extraordinary. And they, it feels like they really, really put that on themselves, you know, mm. to really ensure, are they having a crappy day? Well, don't matter. Did they sleeping up that night? Well, don't matter. Are we traveling for the t- third time? Did I have an argument with whoever? Am I having a great day? It doesn't matter. The moment they're on that stage, it just insanity. But I have to say over time that the real change is just the crowd, the crowd exchange. Each crowd was so different because America is so different. You drive two hours and it's a completely different, even dialect. Almost. You can barely understand each other. So, and, and people have different relationships. You know, these type of concerts is what is the relationship with the audience? And the relationship with the audience was so different. And the history with the audience in each place is either existent from other previous shows they've done in 45 years or, they, or it isn't. So do you have already an ongoing relationship with, with that city or, or that town? And, and that's how that changes. But they, no matter what the relationship is, no matter what the venue is or other exterior factors, Def Leppard opens that door and it just brings everybody in and they give back. I think out of all of the bands, in my opinion, uh, Def Leppard gives back to the entire audience, not just the fans, because the Motley Crue people, they see Motley Crue and they enjoy surprise with Def Leppard, like, all right, they, you know, they still got it. That's great. But man, they they bring air, the entire 40,000 plus stadiums. They they embrace every single person there. And they just, I, wow, <laughs> wow. 
Well, talking of wow, we can segue nicely <laughs> onto Churchy. And I'm not just talking about your looks, Churchy. What I'm talking about in terms of wow is, can you tell me across those two shows that you went to in Boston, and I'm talking about Def Leppard on the stage now, not yep. the shenanigans that happened outside, which we are going to get onto <laughs> very shortly. But in terms of Def Leppard, those two nights in Boston, one on the Friday, one on the Saturday, if you were going to pick out three highlights, three wow moments from that performance or performances, what would they be? You've done it again, just like in the round. Give me a top five and, you know, to narrow it down. So I'm sorry, Neil, but they're four. And there's no way I can, I can narrow the four. This is a fucking Don't disgrace, Jerchy. We do this time and time again. I give you the number. And you always, I did five and last time. I'll, I'll give you four. I'll hey, give you four. Go on. Grief, I'm very angry. I'll give you four. Twitter for leaving one out, you know. So here we are. As Judy said, take what you want. You know, when you and I spoke on the Diamond Star Halos episode, take what you want is a classic Leopard song. It's in the top 20 of all time permanently. Why wasn't that, you know, as much as we love Kick, why wasn't that the, the, the lead-off single? And to see it on the Friday night, to have watched Judy's videos and to get that excitement coming in and to see other fans' videos on social media or particularly on YouTube, you knew that that was going to be epic. And all I can say is that that first highlight on the Friday, watching all the countdown, you know, the Leopard Vault is there, the, the new Def Leopard book come in, the Def Leopard makeup, the Elysian beer is on there. Everything is building you up for that excitement. Then you come down to the countdown. Yes, we're not doing any um, any Elysian beer promotion, are we, are we guys? Uh, like, no, no. So, uh, hey. come on, Balboa. There we are. We're all good. So, um, <laughs> that anticipation was ready. And, man, it was absolutely epic. Where we were behind the Red Sox dugout on the Friday was epic to see, but to be there on the front row, Phil's side on Saturday, same as you said, watching Phil coming out, taking a little cheeky look around, you know, you're acknowledging, you're seeing, you're seeing Ryan Sebastian starting shooting, you're seeing Ross Halpin starting shooting, the goosebumps, the tears are welling up, and then the second he goes from the tape into the live drum and the guitar and the vocal, it literally, for me, is the absolute best and most definitive start to a Def Leppard show since Stage Sight and In The Round. And, you know, yes. that is in our DNA. It's been in our DNA 30-odd years. Take what you want. God willing, we're all still alive in 30 years' <laughs> time. will be ingrained in my DNA in a live setting in the absolute same way. And I'm open, I'm honest, I don't mind saying I cried like a baby. Straight <laughs> off because I'm there, it's in America, Def Leppard, we've been starved, it's finally happening. I absolutely love, love, love this song. And there is Sav, and you you just know he's on the bass. He's like, yeah, they like this. Yeah, like, I was right. You don't just like it. The volume, as Judy said, the volume of the crowd behind you, and being in mind, you know, as far as we're concerned, we're at the Def Leppard concert, right? Judy and I will openly tell you, we weren't bothered about Motley Crue, right? He, he was, you know, enjoyed Poison, enjoyed John Jett, Classless Act, they were fab on Saturday when we got to saw them, but it was all about Leopard and feeling 
were coming from behind you, it was just the the band were impeccable. And that's the word I keep using time and time and time again. And you'll agree, me, the Hysterian Motor in the UK was phenomenal. And I was lucky to see him three times. You and I were both at Liverpool, although obviously yeah. we didn't know each other at the time. That was perfection. Now, on the Friday, there were just a couple of little glitches that the geekiness would know. But hey, they just had a break. You know, they just came back. Nothing's going to be perfect. But the Saturday for me was was perfect right the way throughout and then to see joe on the vlog saying aha you know getting <laughs> when i look at this later best i've ever sung you know committed yes. to friday it was excellent on friday yeah saturday i was wasn't sure because you know we're down the front all the incredible stuff that happened to us plus we'd had the meet and greet am i imagining this or does joe just sound even more oof, He's got it tonight, yeah. right? And, and and he did, you know. And he does openly say he hates doing two nights in a row, but those two nights in Boston were magical. So that's your first one, okay? So take. Well, it was sort of two, wasn't it? But I'll, I'll let you have it as well. <laughs> oh, so really, you've two. got five. Okay? <laughs> it was take what you it, well. It was take what you want. And then it was Joe on the Joe on the Saturday. I'll let you have that. As oh, well. right, okay. So we're going six <laughs> now, then, right? Okay. So Armageddon for me. I absolutely cried my eyes out like a baby again, as I always do during <laughs> my outro. Well, Phil's outro, but I call it my outro because <laughs> the hairs are standing up, the goosebumps, and I'm thinking, it's been four years, this is my favourite song. A very good friend of ours, Shelley Carr, sent me the Armageddon lyrics all done in this beautiful glitter, which is framed in the Sparkle Lounge. That is my song, it's my moment. And I had to acknowledge Judy and elbow and say, <laughs> this is what it's all about. And, you know, these 18-year-old boys, they were like, this guy is digging it, you know, not realising <laughs> sort of what, what it meant. That is my sugar um, Armageddon. So that that is always, amongst two, that is always a pivotal thing for me. Now, the, la- the third one, right, so number three, is mm-hmm. always photograph. And you and I know in the UK... Photograph is the perfect closer to the set list. And when it's coming to the penultimate outro, I close my eyes, the tears are welling up, they're pouring down the face for seconds, the goosebumps, and that is my goodbye to Def Leppard. Because I'm not going to see Def Leppard for another three years. And on that Friday night, exactly the same, maybe habit now. And then I was thinking, what are you being so daft for? You're going to get to see this again <laughs> tomorrow. I've only got to wait 24 <laughs> hours, not three years, to your photograph again. But for what happened on the Saturday, the fact that Ryan Sebastian took Judy and myself, took a photograph of us and said it will be up on the big screen after the first guitar solo during photograph, there were some real tears there, Judy, was not it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> reason. And fair play, this, uh, this Steven Spielberg for you, filming everything. Mm-hmm. She captured the moment on camera. <laughs> and we, you, we were just absolutely overwhelmed. There you are. It's a dream come true. Yeah, on the big screen. So that photograph was even more magical. But that was even that was that was elated. And he was forgetting, thinking, hey, it's going to be three years because it's going to be next year. 
in the UK. So the okay. fact that uh, the awesome dude Ryan Sebastian put Judy and I on the big screen, you know, that 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 is real um recompense having to wait another year. So there's no crying or not gonna see it for a while. He was like, This has been a dream come true moment. So this is why it has to then go into four, and that was hysteria. So like you, like me, like many of us, the new ending to Hysteria is like, oh, okay, this is different. There's some crowd interaction. I wonder, you know, how this is going to go down. And on the Friday, when it got to the point where we were just going to do the usual ride out and Joe's getting the crowd involved, you know, I'm looking around, and like Judy says, a lot of Motley Crue fans, but this is definitely before Motley Crue, they were well into it. And it worked surprisingly well. I'm not saying I was maybe biased because I love Asteria and I love the, the traditional outro that we see live. And like many fans, we'd all love to see Rick Savage doing his intro from In The Round again and bringing that back in. But it was really, it was a cool moment in the show. And you could see that a lot of people got it. And then on the Saturday night, obviously from the front, which was brilliant because you're leaning on the barrier, you can effectively turn around and you can look at, you know, close to 37,000 people all in this moment. That was super magical, but we were on heightened alert. So we were on heightened alert because the awesome dude, once again, Ryan Sebastian, <laughs> said, I'm going to come and film you for the vlog. So we were wondering, would it be sugar? Would it be rock of ages? And then all of a sudden, as Judy's filming and rocking, I see Ryan, I signal to him, he gives us a signal, he comes on over. And while some fans, because it's, you know, a, a more mellow bit of a studio, are looking mm -hmm. up at the big screen and just checking out what's going on, Judy and I are rocking like mental because this is our <laughs> moment being filmed for the behind the scenes of Stadium Tour, vlog number nine, at three minutes, 20 seconds, and we're like, on a Def Leppard vlog. This is absolutely mind-blowing. So that is why, right? Shush now, Neil. This is why <laughs> you've got four, not three. But if you want to call it six, my Liverpoolian friend, that's totally <laughs> up to you, okay? I'm I will put a link to that vlog <laughs> in the show notes below. And yeah, if every, I mean, let's watch the whole thing. But if you get around to the three minutes and 20 seconds, what's interesting though, is that I never knew that you were doing devil horns during hysteria. So you, you may do. both possibly be the first people who've ever done devil horns during hysteria. And I must say, I'm so proud of both of you for doing that. So well Aww. done. Right then. There was it. another episode that we did on Def Leppard, the officially unofficial Def Leppard podcast on the stadium tour. And I called that one the review and that was with Chris Preston. And he very much reviewed the whole show. Plus we touched on the other bands as well. This one, for anyone who can see it, you can see this one's called the Stadium Tour, The Adventure. And we're going to get on to, I mean, we've already touched on The Adventure already. There's been a lot of adventurous things that you've spoken about. But what's really cool about this is obviously, you know, Judy, this involves you touring around America. Dave, it involves you getting on a big plane and, you know, flying across the sea, you know, to to America. <laughs> But there are other things that happened outside of the show that I know a bit about, but we're about to find out a little bit more. So there's the Friday in Boston that you're together. There's a Saturday 
in Boston that you are together. Now, there's a lot to talk about. We discussed in advance of this podcast that this could be the Ben Hare of podcaster. Realistically, <laughs> if we gave you all of the time that you needed to tell these stories, this could be a six, seven, maybe an eight hour episode of Def Left Pod. But what I'm going to do, we're going to add a little bit of jeopardy. We're going to make it difficult for you. You've got just 15 minutes to tell us about the adventures of Boston on Friday. I will leave the floor to you two to tell me and tell our listeners about all the very cool stuff that happened that day. Judy, let's talk as fast as we can. Go. <laughs> oh, me first. Okay. Um, well, I I drove down on Thursday uh, early in the morning to, to get to the hotels. Um, the hotel, you know, was booked uh, about a year ago. I mean, it, it, it's such a long time ago and, and you know, showed up there. It was wonderful. And uh, the moment I arrive uh, to Boston at this beautiful hotel and I get out of my vehicle, limping about with my cane, I realize that um, Rick Allen's right there getting out of his car too. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. He's out of his, uh, his SUV. And I said to myself, you know what? I've met him so often. This, these poor guys, man, let, let me just let him be. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I, we're here to relax. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, we are in the same hotel. That's craziness. And I said, oh, I bet you the band here's too. Like, it, just, it was just a moment of blah kind of like moderate panic for about five seconds. And then I took a deep breath and I said, you know what? We're just here to relax. <laughs> I just want to get in there. I was so tired. You know, and the valet took my took the vehicle. And the moment, the moment the valet unloaded everything out of my vehicle that I brought with me and put it everything in a little trolley and walked in is where there goes Rick Allen jumping out of his uh, car. And I said, oh, no. <laughs> no. So I quickly got in. I said, I absolutely not. I said, Rick Allen, stop following me around. But I didn't say that. But I walked into the place and I immediately was like, no, no, no. Let me just get to the front because he's never going to believe me. But I'm just like, oh, hi. <laughs> like, um, I, I got here first. OK, so I got there and I went to beeline to the to the front desk where they took really great care of me. And and honestly, I was shaking a little bit, just like, oh, <laughs> so I got to the front desk. And what really helped is that everybody there was so lovely. Um, the lady was like, oh, I recognize you and I talked on the phone because I, I tend to call places and introduce myself and go hi and you know what can I expect that type of thing and and the, just everybody there was so was so lovely and you know, we're chatting it up and I'm just trying to forget all about Rick like nope I, I'm on vacation my good friend from the UK David Church is flying in that night I need a break okay <laughs> like I need a Def Leppard break let me just come in there so in my mind I was just blocking him out altogether so I don't know if he was behind me I don't know what was going on I was like whatever let me just get to my room get that together um so that took a few minutes I, I was very wobbly on my cane as well I had just driven almost five hours and my leg was shaking like my hip and my leg were just like oh I'm gonna fall down <laughs> and then um I hear behind me uh, Mr. Allen and I just went, oh, good Lord, he's right behind me. <laughs> he was behind me the whole time because I didn't want to turn around. I took a very quick peek and I was like, oh, God, he's right there. And he's just like, uh -huh, kind of smiling. And they, um, this nice, fancy hotel, you know, they they have, it appeared that they had a separate place for him to go. So he's just sitting there with the rest of us, like, I'm just going to wait my turn. Uh, yeah. And they, they just kind of ushered him in. Mr. Allen, you know, please follow me. And then they leave. And I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> 
moment of like, I'm going to pass out. So they take him to a VIP area for the check-in. And I, I felt all the blood rushed in my face and I got a little lightheaded. I'm like, I gotta go, I gotta go sit down. <laughs> so they took care of me uh, when I sat on the couch and tried to catch my breath. Um, but yeah, I ended up, I don't know if I told you churchy actually, cause everything happened so crazy, but I, I basically read into everybody kind of before you got there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, Sav and, and even Joe and everything. Um, just everybody was like, hey, I'm like, I, I gotta go. <laughs> Let me go somewhere else. But I, I guess I was I was very present with the idea that everyone's just, we're all getting back. They've been on break. They don't need they don't need a, a fan going Hoo, to them. You know, I, I just wanted to respect their space. And and honestly, I, I was just so like, am I on? Am I on Pluto? Like, what's happening here? <laughs> what world am I in? And the place is so beautiful and fancy and lovely. And, and my my big thing was, let me get to my room and, and rest or something. So I did that. But I ended up that night um, grabbing dinner at the, the restaurant up, uh, downstairs in this beautiful hotel. And I sit down and I look to my left and I'm like, okay, there's Russ Halpin having dinner with this, with this lovely lady. And, and there comes Sav and hangs out. And I'm just like, oh, geez. Okay, I'm just sitting there going, oh, I need a drink. So I ordered a drink. I'm like, I can't. So they were chatting it up and I'm just like, oh. and then comes uh, Michael Kabayashi. I'm like, oh, Michael Kabayashi. I'm just like, this is bananas. What am I doing here? <laughs> but I was not wearing Def Leppard shirts or anything. I look like a normal, regular person. So I was just kind of like sitting there absorbing all of this going, this cannot be happening. So, you know, right into Rick, right into everybody, the whole band, essentially, I'm just like, whatever, right? I, and uh, just kind of let them go and be, but we all kind of hung out, you know, drinks. I'm like, all right, cool. Like not with each other, but like around each other. And I'm just like, dang. <laughs> so, but then Mr. Church shows up finally at night and uh, kind of lost and confused and tired. <laughs> and by then it was well past midnight and I had to go, you, you were just walking in a circle, I had to go find you. This man makes me go outside and find him <laughs> like one, one in the morning or whatever it was. 16 know. hours of traveling and you arrive. <laughs> it's pitch black, you know, and then this lady finds you and she goes, guess what? The band are in the hotel. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. Here we are. Now, luckily for me, uh, I, I had an experience like this in 2003, staying uh, in the same hotel as Def Leppard when I went up and seen Sheffield show. And um, I'd also had an invite to meet the band at the Cardiff Hotel on the same tour by the old, wonderful and fellow Welshman, Malvin Mortimer. So I've had experience of watching what goes on, how to be, and I was certainly I've seen some other fans how not to be. So I'm yeah. like, this is cool. So Judy's kept it cool. This is the way, <laughs> you know, we'll just be cool as well. So, um, you know, I was in my Def Leppard crew shirt uh, flying over. So all I needed to do was just uh, j- just cover that up. So I looked like uh, a regular dude. Uh, obviously, I wasn't going to be a crew member. Um, just uh, supporting, obviously, the crew during um, the COVID. So Judy and I, we were... We were talking till about three o'clock in the morning and uh, we exchanged a number of Def Leppard gifts as uh, we often do. And uh, the excitement was building. So leading on now to your Friday. So it was about three o'clock, Judy, if I remember right. Um, I went to my room then about 3.30, four hours sleep. Couldn't sleep on the plane. I thought I'd sleep for eight or nine hours. Then this Liverpudlian voice came into my head at 7.30 in the morning. And said, get up. And I immediately <laughs> just got up. And there was something telling me 
that I needed to be in the lobby ASAP. So very quickly, phone in Judy. Judy, you need to get up. You need to nope. get downstairs. You need to be there <laughs> within 30 minutes. So within 30 minutes, you know, as a bloke, I could be done. No cap, though. did do my hair properly and headed straight down to the lobby. And I walk out to the elevator in the lobby. And there's Phil, just sitting there, drinking coffee, having a chat with Mike Kobayashi and, and some uh, associates or friends or family. And you're like... Okay, I haven't seen Phil for four years, and there he is, sitting there, looking better than ever. And this is uh, quite surreal. I'm just going to go and get my cup of tea, because, you know, Neil, being in UK, we don't really do coffee, do we? Well, you might, but I don't. So I get my cup of tea, and I sit down, and uh, I've got a little, I'm not in a definite t-shirt, normal, uh, well, a white shirt, shorts, and just uh, sitting there with my little select couple of items that I would like to possibly get signed and uh within a few minutes time next you know rick allen appears and rick's got his camera and i'm thinking okay he's going off and he's going to do some photography and um you know just be wait be normal if there's an opportune moment go for it if not try again you know later that day or tomorrow whatever meanwhile judy where are you because uh, <laughs> philip kenneth colin and richard allen are downstairs <laughs> judy 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 God I'm sleeping, okay? <laughs> I was sleeping. sleeping yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Five minutes left. Five minutes oh, left. Right. So Good. I'm literally then. I'm literally then, right? I'll just slip to the toilet. Next thing you know, Rick goes past me, and Rick is also looking for the restroom. So uh surreal experience. I'll guide Rick to the restroom. And then after Rick came out of the restroom, I said, uh, hello, Rick, started chatting to him. And I was sitting down, quite a big sort of like um, stairwell lobby type area. And I said, uh, I have a gift for you. And the gift I had for him was from Judy, but I had managed to source it. And um, I said, I've got something for you, which will take you back just a couple of months ago. So for the benefit of your listeners... The Johnny Calendar Band EP, which Rick first played on when he was 14 years of age, is the Holy Grail, like the red label for Rick Allen collectors. And Judy, very kindly, at the Miami Collectors Dinner, I sent copies of the Johnny Calendar Band promo card. And Judy, very kindly, got my first ever stick, Rick. And as Judy told me, Rick hadn't seen it in so long that Rick was actually taking a photograph of what he sent him. So when I said, I have this gift for you from... Uh, Judy Nunez, because she was in Judy Balboa at the time. <laughs> and I got it to Johnny Calendar EP for Rick. Rick was was thrilled. And he was, he was like, thank you. Thank you. He was like, I just given him, you know, the limited edition. That's cool. Whisper Barney. You know, we still have <laughs> back in the day, right? And so that was magical. But I'm like, but Judy's not here. But there we are, Rick. This is for you. So Rick very kindly signed my things. And um um, he had to shoot off but a little while later. I had a little chat with him. So for the benefit of your viewers, I managed to get a nice picture with Rick after he'd signed everything for me. So I'm still texting Judy now. Next thing you know, uh, Phil's friends, family. Phil is effectively just twiddling his thumbs for a second. So uh, I had a chat to Philip Kenneth Collin and uh, we had a little chat about my showcase on the vault. Back in February, ah, which cool. was brilliant, that uh, the Phil, you know, spoke about that with me for a, a couple of minutes, and then I got out my favourite picture ever 
of a, of a live picture which Phil has put now to Dave so for the benefit of your listeners. This was the official Throwback Thursday, which was taken in Cardiff on a 2018 mm. tour. And that is actually part of my vault showcase because I talk about being just in front of Phil. So Phil signed that for me. So we managed to get the picture with Phil. And then um, Vivian pops out of the elevator and he just walks in and he gets his coffee <laughs> and then he walks back and I'm like, Judy, Judy, Judy. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> where are you? Still no sign of Judy. So that was um, the magic in the morning for Friday. And then going to the show, we went in style, but I'd like to talk more about that on the Saturday going in style because that was a rock star moment for Judy and I. Um, that was phenomenal. Sitting just outside of the Red Sox dugout, Judy and I casually look around, see what's going on. Then you see Mike Kobayashi pop up. Then you see Jess pop out, tour manager. Then you see some people coming back and forth. And then Phil just pops out onto the field, literally 30 foot in front of you. Like, Hello, Phil. Nobody else <laughs> caught his fail. And they would see, obviously, you know, people on the guest list will come in, do so. Some mm. of them at least come into the, the Red Sox dugout and going in underneath, just a rocking out on the Friday night, leaving straight away and picking up the merchandise, which included um, some guests yourself, Mr. Neil Poole, and our brother David Allen, and our brother Thank Mark you. Cookson, and our brother Andrew Gibbons. UK fans, obviously, you know, we had to give you something something back because you couldn't get out there. And then just get in a wonderful taxi bike ride through the streets of Boston. Yes. <laughs> uh, paying through the nose, maybe, once I told the chap where we were staying. Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned to begin with. Um, but we paid him well, didn't we, Judy? Yes. And we arrived back at the hotel. And as we arrived, the band had already arrived. And there's Ross Alfin, who we'd seen earlier, and just, morning, Ross, you okay? <laughs> okay, just Ross, being Ross. And <laughs> um, there's Ross going to the elevator. So I said, Judy, watch this. This is how it's done. Very quickly, Dave. Who is Ross Alfin, just for anyone who doesn't know? Okay, so Ross Alfin is the living legend, or the legendary, iconic, world-renowned rock photographer who's done books on Def Leppard, and Bon Jovi and Metallica, just to name a few, he is legendary photography rock royalty. So I said to Judy, no. you know, mm -hmm. this is this is what's all about. Just be totally normal. Let's go for it. So Ross is walking to the elevator. One minute, Dave. One minute. And I'll be there. Ross is walking to the elevator, and I just shouted out behind him. Well, Ross, I said, if you if I knew you were going to be here, I would have brought my Def Leppard book my Bon Jovi book, <laughs> and I would have got you to sign them. So we started having a little chat then. Obviously, straight away, the Welsh accent. You know, a lot of people thought I was Irish, with the Boston-Irish connection. It was like, no, no, Gaelic cousins in Wales. So we managed to get a brilliant picture with Ross, where we're pointing at each other, and Ross is smiling. So amongst uh, the <laughs> Ross Alfin fans, people are like, whoa, this is... Uh, this is incredible. You've got Ross in a really good mood. And we shared the elevator, didn't we, Judy? To, uh, yes, sir. Oh, he got off before us, and we went up a little bit later. And then out of the Def Leppard shirts, so wrapping up, down to the bar. Same as Judy said, there's just certain band members, crew members, all hanging out. And we're just sitting there. I've got an £18 uh, little bottle of beer. 
Um, <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to savour this little bottle of beer, sip by sip. And, um, you know, we're just regular dudes. We just sit there. We say hello to everybody, blah, 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 blah. Next thing you know, I, um, I go to the restroom and I'm like, yep, I know this guy, this guy. Yeah, I'm sure it, it is. It's got to be, it must be, it is Ian Hunter. Of uh, Monte Hubel, Joe Ciro. Yes, like, that's right. <laughs> wow. I was like, oh, Gene Hunter in the restroom, uh, end of story, and um, go back in, say to Judy, there is Ian Hunter. Next, you know, we see Ian Hunter with Joe and Mike, and then Ian, Mike was taking him away, you know, to for his taxi to go home or his, his whatever he was going. And um, Joe's just in the bar, and Joe's saying farewell to everybody and good night. And uh, Joe turns and he looks at us and we have a, I give him a thumbs up and we had two big thumbs up and a big massive smile and it was an early night for Joe because uh, it was show show day number two the next day and we were like, wow, that was Friday. The Saturday went off the scale. Yes. We will come to Saturday. (laughs) Brilliant. Excellent. And we will come to Saturday in a moment. But before we do come to Saturday... Just to break it up a little bit, just to tease everyone for part two of the adventure. <laughs> there is just a couple of things I want to ask Judy in terms yes. of an experience that she's had, which is quite different to like a lot of people by virtue of the fact that you went to shows early on and then you went to shows later on. There was obviously a set list change about hmm. 10, 11, 12 gigs in. So in those early gigs and some shows that you went to, you were getting fire it up you were getting excitable you were getting have you ever needed someone so bad acoustic they obviously changed that later on and they dropped fire it up and they brought in let it go they dropped excitable they brought in promises and they dropped have you ever needed someone so bad acoustic and they played a full version which they weren't doing beforehand of two steps behind i asked chris on the stadium tour part one the review whether he was happy seeing a set list he did, but he hadn't actually seen the earlier set list. You've actually seen both. Yes. <laughs> which one did you prefer? And really, when I say which set list did you, did you prefer, yeah. really what I'm asking is, did you prefer seeing Fire Up, Excitable, and Acoustic, Have You Ever Needed Someone So Bad? Or did you prefer saying Let It Go um, and the other stuff? I can't, Let It Go promises and a full two steps behind so a difficult right. question i know i know i'm putting you yeah. on the spot again <laughs> asking you to choose between the two children of a set list there but you know <laughs> people say well picking between your kids i know which of my two is my yeah. favorite so i don't think it's a big deal really um so tell me which of those hmm. did you prefer Ooh, that is the toughest question. I've been thinking and racking my brain around that because in the end, I mean, you guys have seen the show so often, you know, David Church has gone to, what is it now, 20 total total at this point? Yep. And, and you know, I hear, oh, I've seen Excitable. I can, I'm okay if they've removed Excitable. You know what? I've never seen Excitable. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I, you know, so all of these um, songs, even though it's been part of the entire set list for so many years, and I'm sure at this point, everyone's like, okay, let's move on with it. That's the thing for me, man. In the beginning part, I have to say it was this, the initial set list that included um, fire, it, fire It Up and Have You Ever Needed Someone So Bad, the acoustic version. 
happened for my first two shows, the one in City Field in New York and the day right after that, because I was in June in Philly, it was the same set list. But the remaining, uh, I think three or four that I went to were the new set list that included Let It Go, um, that I had never, when I, I never thought in my wildest dreams, I would sit there and listen to Let It Go. I, I never thought that would ever happen. <laughs> I never thought I would listen, I would hear promises because the set list changes so much and their 45 year history. I mean, what, how lucky am I to be standing there? I, I have to say is that they're, they're both really special and important. Obviously the one for New York, the initial um, set list uh, in Philly where it was fired up after Take What You Want, uh, had kick in it obviously. I got to hear Excitable. I got to hear Have You Ever Needed Someone So Bad Acoustic? Because I had only heard that song one other time which was the regular rock version in 1992 when they first performed it in America. So I got to in my mindset, I only have two examples. So I got to have a very clear mind frame as to why or, or how. And for me, as I'm going through all of these, these you know, um, six shows, in my mind, really, it feels like I went to seven, only because I kept reliving 1992 in Madison Square Garden when I was 15, because that's the only other comparison. So for me, New York was so special for all the reasons. Um, and of course, after that, in Hershey is when I first heard... Um, let it go and the rest and, and let it go shock me. I heard take what you wanted. I was prepared to hear fire it up. I was prepared. Yeah. And the moment let it go starts, there's Phil walking up the thrust. I'm like, where's he going? He, oh my, oh my God. I was holding on. I almost passed out. <laughs> I was like, oh, what? Because huh? I, I just, I, I, I knew at that moment how lucky I was and my ears opened up completely. And I took that moment in. I remember when Let It Go started and I felt it hit my face and my ears and my body. And I remember closing my eyes for a second and breathing it in. I really took the moment to just be in that moment. And um, wow, I feel like I'm gonna cry. It's so, it's so intense. It was just so incredible and all of it and promises. But from the two, which is my favorite, I have to say that the second um, set list, which coincidentally for your readers, I have right here. <laughs> the oh, Hershey Judy show. is holding up a signed set list. I think it's got Phil's signature on it and Vivian's. Is that correct? That is correct, sir. Uh, I was very blessed and lucky enough to, in the Hershey Park Stadium, when I first heard Let It Go, Promises, Two Steps Behind, for the big change-up. Um, and they, they had one less song. All the other, uh, New York and Philly had 18 songs, actually. And then now they changed it to 17. They removed one of the songs out uh, from the acoustic set um, and did that. But yeah, I ended up getting the set list kind of happening here, so you have it. Between the two, I think my my favorite wins by a hair with the current set list only because it does give them momentum in such a way they bring in let it go and they bring in you know fool in and promises and they, they they do more of like a variation through the course of of the entire you know span of, of their frame of history so i feel like they, they do a much better way of kind of going back and forth with it and and they they shorten the acoustic set which was uh, really beautiful to be up there that close and, and to be able to view everything. Um, almost all the shows except for one, I was within the first four rows. So it was very, very intimate and very up close and you know, getting to see the acoustic part of it. But yes, the second set I think is technically my favorite only because of the way it moves. The one caveat though, I really wish they, they switched out. If they had switched out kick for fire it up, I would have been a hundred percent hands down into that. Cause I'll tell you, fire it up, 
fire I, I heard the um the chris preston review and you guys were like oh yeah fire it up you guys have no idea what you're talking about when it comes to it being live on stage because fire it yeah. up it's just a punch a punch and they, they take you with them and you hold on and you go fire it up i think is infinitely better than kick live so if they had moved fire it up to and kick out even though the New York City concert is, is absolutely hands on my favorite. And for me personally, I think the set list, the current set list with Fire It Up, there's no touching it. There's, I, I would be happy for the rest of my life if I never heard anything else. I'm telling you. Wow, that's excellent insights. Very good. Y- y- yes, David Church, you got your hand up. You may speak. And I, I would add, uh, what a perfect question, because not only has Julie seen both the sets, she actually has both of the set lists because that was obviously a different show and Judy's also got the Saturday Night Boston Rick Savage set list as well oh you mean this one right here Hey! That's the one. Yes, look at that. <laughs> and we're going to move on to Saturday now. But before we move on yes. to Saturday, very quickly, quick fire for you, Judy. You, yes. this is harder for you because you, Church, you have to pick this across two shows. You're having to pick it across six shows. It's a hard life. Talk about first world problems, right? So, what were your three highlights of Def Leppard's performance from the times that you saw them? Well, I wrote them down and I have like, like David Church has, I have four. <laughs> yes. So the highlights for me, um, since so many of them were kind of similar in that sense, uh, the highlight for me, I've already mentioned, is the opener, Take What You Want. There is, out of all of the videos I have digested and consumed and fawned <laughs> over so many live videos, uh, those of us fans who are differently abled and either physically can go to a show it feels like we're just standing by the sidelines knowing and understanding that Def Leppard is is so unusual they're a live band you have to see them live they're also a let's hear them on the record and your ears are gonna explode band so that's really beautiful they're they're both but there's nothing like that um for me that's why that's a highlight the the opener for take what you want kind of reminds me of when in 1992 when they opened in Manchester Garden with uh let's get rocked I mean yeah. It was just that same just vibe of people pushing to try to touch them and they completely explode. I can barely hear them. It was almost deafening in that sense. And on both sides for take what you want. And since I covered most of that already, I'm going to, for the interest of time, I move up a touch. But that's definitely one of the highlights for me. The other highlight for me for all the shows, you know, for sure, um, you know, had to do with... um, specifically switch six to five and and you know that that whole setup the instrumentation it isn't just a rick allen solo you got to see these guys you know last time i saw them they were in the late 20s early 30s now they're in the late 50s early 60s man and in your mind you're thinking all right and i know that they are they're known for their live work they've they've been all of these years together they've maybe missed two years well covid that is you know the way that did and one year i think in the early 2010s or something they didn't tour but they're known for their work ethic they're known for their musicality they're known with how tight they are and to me i'll tell you they're even if one can even imagine even better because they've had 30 years with viv viv's birthday he just joe i heard him say a couple days ago um the show that they had that you know he spent he has spent you know half his life with def leppard and that idea of like, oh my God, he has been like, and I was there when he started his life with Def Leppard, you know, in America yeah, with that cool. band. 
And I got to see the differences and they're tighter and cohesive, but switch six to five to watch the, the guitar battle <laughs> just yeah. live there. It's just mind blowing. And then it's almost like I forgot that there was supposed to be a, a Rick Allen drum solo because in my mind, I'm just like, oh my God, I get to see these guys because Joe gets off the stage, you know, and he's, he's such a presence and his voice just takes you. He's definitely, you know, the engine of Def Leppard, you know, mm -hmm. and when the engine gets yeah. off the stage, you have like the heart, which is Rick Allen. And then you have like the guitars and the basses, everyone's just like culminating together. And when I realized, oh my, wait a minute, they're about to do the solo. I said, oh my God, I, I was, I was, I, I was, I, I couldn't breathe. And, and, and everything with that started and there is nothing like Rick Allen live. I have seen so many videos for years and that man does not have a bad show i'm sorry no. <laughs> Some, somebody correct me if you want to but i dare you to because i can't even imagine it and he's up there and the crowd is like wow and even motley fans are like wait a minute this just chap has one arm wait a minute <laughs> and he's up there drumming and he just takes over the whole crowd it basically the effect of what joe does rick allen does the entire night anyway, but it, it really with that solo. So when I finally saw him do when it's over, he puts his arms up in a peace sign. I get, I get it now. That's when he's just kind of lassoed everybody together and he didn't have to say a word. It just yeah. kind of pulled everyone together. So that's the habit number two. Um, the third highlight for me has very specifically to do with the acoustic set. Um, Every one of us, you know, gravitates to, you know, one band member or another, as I've spoken before in other podcasts that you guys and I have been on, um, you know, and Rick Allen and, you know, Steve and now Viv, I have to tell you, they're my dudes, I'll tell you. But uh, the acoustic set was so special because, you know, you get to see Rick Allen go back to the beginning. There's a lot of firsts in going back and for him mm -hmm. to sit down with his acoustic set and, and that's what he grew up with. That's what he learned originally. And the idea he still can do it in, in, in not just, oh, he can do it, but to do it in, in that capacity to such a huge live audience, 40,000 plus people, that he goes up there and he, you know, starts that beat, you know, for, um, for this guitar. The acoustic set for me was so personal, part of it because I was so close, obviously, and I saw his little feet, they were like going and whatever. But it was so personal because I got to hear this guitar. And I heard the review that you guys had, as I mentioned, with Chris Preston. And yeah, this guitar, this guitar, I'll tell you, this guitar live, that is one of the biggest surprises that I've seen regarding the tour itself. I was so, there's nothing, I think that was by far Beyond Take What You Want was just such a shock <laughs> because everybody knew, knows how great that song is, but live, it's just killer. Um, there's nothing like this guitar, you know, in the acoustic set and being out there and, and having it be so intimate. So that goes together. That's three. It just makes it so special to have them back on there. Um, and the last remaining two is, as David Church mentioned, we have the similarity, the new ending for Hysteria. Because I never... Yeah, I, I got to see the other Hysteria version in 1992 that one time, and, and it was lovely. But this one, by the time they get to Hysteria, let me see here. Hysteria, first night would be song 15. They did 18 songs that night. Hysteria came after Switch 6 to 5, so you're ready pulled in and it's crazy high. And you're ready jump in there. And they start with Hysteria, and everyone's like, oh, Hysteria, and that's my song. So I'm already, I couldn't believe I can go any higher, so I was really freaking out. And they went in New York. And when they did the new ending, I had stayed away from videos prior to my show in New York, because you're right, Neil, it's about 
the show started in Atlanta June 16th and I saw them in New York June 24th. Um, so I stayed away. I had heard there was a something different with hysteria, but I stayed away from it. I, I, did, I wanted to be surprised. So when they got into that new version of it, I was a little confused, like what's happening? And then the momentum of it and the sing-along that happens with it, and bigger than that, that Rick Allen gets off his drum set and there's people have seen it by now, this giant, you know, bass drum that gets in there and starts doing this. Mm. Bum, 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 bum. And you feel it. And you feel it. And you feel it and it just keeps growing and whoa and everybody gets together and you feel like you're flying with them into different sections it's just the most surreal experience i can possibly imagine to tell you so for me the new ending for hysteria just takes you somewhere let's just do a sing-along hell no this is bigger let's have a spiritual experience together because we're back from covid we're hanging out here together we all get to be together here let's do this and whoever was not a believer a follower maybe did not appreciate that leopard and if you, you were not taken by joe and everybody else and, and dueling guitars with viv and phil and you were not taken by rick allen what is wrong with you but by now hysteria let's all go together and it felt like everyone mm. got on the ship together and we all took a ride further beyond and we still had after that is pour some sugar rock of ages and photographs man and it ends with king of the world it's just it bananas to me and the last one is obviously um photograph and and rock of ages you know i i my first show in 92 they ran out of time after love bites and i never heard it man and all these years it's like a secret like a secret uh, club I can't belong to because <laughs> every <laughs> the likelihood that a Duff Leopard fan all across the universe has heard photograph at least once is 99.9% that I'm like the idiot over here who hasn't. I'm like, all right, hi, I kind of saw it on video a bunch of times. It looks great. Let me tell you, man, when photograph starts right after Rock of Ages with that cowbell, man, I'm just like, oh, Rock of Ages, I can't. I'm gonna, uh. But when photograph starts, I remember in New York City when that started, I, I just like, like David Church and Armageddon it. I just welled up. I, I was just in tears and, and I knew how special that moment was because I felt part of the club finally. <laughs> I well, you are definitely, you're definitely <laughs> part of the club now because you've seen it six times. So you, 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 yeah. you, you certainly made up for it. Oh. Right. Excellent. Excellent. And I'm, <laughs> I'm made up to hear that uh, you say this, that this guitar was good because I've, I've, I've heard yeah. and obviously everyone's entitled to their opinion and I haven't been there, but I've heard a lot of people saying the same sort of thing. And I love this guitar. I think it's a brilliant song. It's, it's uh, and I'm, I'm coming around to thinking it might be oh, it's the best one, but it's certainly in the top two or three for me at the moment I haven't lived with yeah. that album for, for a while now so I'm, I'm really happy to hear so, someone say something different about it and they hear that they really enjoyed it so that's brilliant yeah. right we're gonna we're gonna move on to the final part now we are gonna move on to Saturday in Boston Saturday, mate. what I happened 15 minutes <laughs> oh boy. well off you go tell no, me about you... Saturday in Boston I give it to you two minutes but I will say fair play to you Saturday morning, she was up early, on time, and ready, <laughs> and the magic happened. So, Judy will tell you shortly about some magical experiences that she had on the Saturday morning, which were obviously private and just Judy's moments. My moment was, um, first of all, having Phil walk up to me like this because uh <laughs> phil was going for coffee 
So I just caught his attention. Great show last night, Phil. Absolutely brilliant. Blah, 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 blah. blah. And then Judy just chilled and laid back. Says, oh, yeah, you made him cry twice last night. <laughs> so Phil walks over. Kind of like, hey, what, what? Said, oh, yes. I said, um, you, made, you, made, you made me cry twice last night doing the set. So Phil was very interesting. I made a grown man cry twice. I love it, he said. So obviously he wanted to know which 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 couple of songs, why. So uh, I told him and we just had that little sort of brief moment there. And as, as I said to Judy, I said, you know, let's hopefully, let's see if the magic happens today. And um, a little while later, across the, uh, across the full length of the lobby from where we were sitting uh, by the local sort of hotel coffee shop, uh, there's Viv. There's not just Viv, there's Viv with Rockstar Sue. So Judy had a moment before Viv, so um, she's just uh, getting a second there. I, I who, took an opportunity. Who is Rockstar Stu? Who is Rockstar <laughs> Stu? For anybody not following or not knowing, Rockstar Stu is um, Vivian Campbell's rescue dog. And he goes everywhere with Vivian. He's on tour. He's got a wonderful little Instagram account where you can see Stu with headphones <laughs> akin to us on. And, uh, you know, he's actually got the real passes, the all-access passes. And everybody uh, loves to follow Rockstar Stu's adventures. So Judy had a moment with Vivian before I. Uh, but when I had my moment with Vivian, it was kind of like... Um, so then, my Celtic cousin, as I said, everybody thinking I was Irish, although uh, I'm Welsh. I was educating quite a few of the Americans on, uh, you know, Wales is not part of England, etc., etc. And um, Viv had a little chat with me about the vault, which was cool. Viv uh, signed the set list, the photograph for me. Um, and then, um, for the benefit of your listeners, um, and a nice little. Picture taken by Judy then when uh, Viv walked over with me to come and see Judy with Rockstar Stu as well. So that was a, another magical moment on the Saturday, which I didn't care if I didn't get a, a photo. I've had photos with Viv, you know, so many times, but it was cool to have it done. But I previously cried twice <laughs> because of the two experiences that Judy had had with Phil and Viv while I was off gallivanting and doing other things and making my way back and cooling down from the crazy Boston heat, which being a Dominican lady, Judy, you know, it was nothing. <laughs> nope. Would be there wearing, uh, with a sweater or jumper, you know, without like absolutely melting. <laughs> and it was uh, amazing to come back in and I had the goosebumps and tears for what Judy's going to tell you now. Yes. Um, and just for the record, you know, I didn't tell you this specifically because I didn't tell you much about Thursday. We just so much going on. I, I felt like I had my moment with the band already the night before. So I said to myself, first of all, in order to get enough strength and energy, I had to really pace myself. You know, I went to so many shows and travel. And as I mentioned again before, with this whole cane situation, I knew if I got up early, I wasn't going to function two shows back to back like that. I, I decided to that the same way you had in your mind, like get up. My body said, nope, you're staying in bed. And, and I said to myself, Churchy doesn't need my assistance with anything. He'll figure this out. So I actually, Churchy didn't tell you, I actually just stayed back halfway on purpose <laughs> to kind of let you be <laughs> do, 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 as it comes. So, but yeah, that Saturday, um, you know, I, I did, I was up. I mean, you know, we got up early, we went down there and everything and, and you were kind of in and out, you know, with, with the hotel and stuff. And 
I was sitting there and I was alone, you know, drinking my tea. Uh, I'm not a big coffee drinker either, but uh, drinking my tea and just kind of relaxing, trying to take in that Friday already. And I was in so much pain already, <laughs> my poor body. I was just there kind of waiting it out. And, um, you know, an in walks in, um, Phil, and uh, I saw him heading towards the, uh, the elevators. And um, I just, I had a moment of like, I have to get up and get his attention because I, it's like, I can get up and go, hi, Phil. I have to get up and limp over to him. I don't want to be that person either. Be like, hi. So I get up and, you know, I say, hey, Phil, and he sees me with my cane and he had a moment of like, oh, I need to, I need to go to, to this, to this young lady. Let's do this. So he came over to me. I'm like, thank you for, <laughs> for saving me the walk and the whole thing. And I had a couple things with me just in case I wasn't sure. I was like, okay, if we see people great, if we don't, we don't. It wasn't like that. I, I just was so, I just, I, I felt like, I felt like I've already experienced enough. Honestly, I just, I couldn't imagine anything getting better than what we've had done already for all of the stuff before. So everything was really gravy after all that. So he came over and I was explaining to him because I had pictures from the 1992 show where he's there, you know, playing his guitar, where he got what he sung. Um, and everybody has a thing about, uh, um, 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 where's my brain? Make love like a man. Thank you. <laughs> oh, make love like a man. Like I get what people have that, but I'll tell you, make love like a man to me was so important because not only does Rick Allen sing in it in 1992, he sang the whole time through the entirety of the show. That's when Phil sang it, his solo. And I was like, oh, look at him singing. He had his white guitar. So he saw the picture of himself singing, you know, Joe gives him the mic and he's there singing. I captured yeah. that in 92. And the rest, and he goes, he tells the person he's with, hey, come here, look at this. And I'm like, hey, he goes, you recognize the guitar? And I'm just standing there kind of between the two of them there as they're chatting it up. I'm like, oh my God. He goes, you know, did you recognize the guitar? Yeah, we have that at home. He goes, yeah, I have this guitar at home. I said, no kidding. And he remembered everything about that show, who opened and how nervous they were. They go, yeah, it was, it was time to get back. And it was it was first time we're playing Madison Square Garden. We're having a nice little chat. And Phil is the kindest, most open person I think I've ever met. He just made me feel really relaxed because my heart was just beating really hard. I'm just like, okay, don't pass out. So I'm there standing there. And after he came to me and was kind of looking at the pictures and signed, you know, the uh, set list for me, he was like, let's have a picture. I said, okay. So he takes these like, <laughs> these uh, selfies here with me and, and I'm just beaming. I just can't believe I'm taking a picture with Phil. And, and to me, I'm just feels like I'm taking a picture with this really awesome chill dude. who's was just amazing. And I'm, I just, for him to take the time to, to see this limpy girl trying to like get his attention. He's like, oh, come here, let, let me come to you. <laughs> it was really sweet. So then, you know, uh, Mr. Church comes in. I said, hey, I just I just met Phil. <laughs> and then of course, Viv comes in um, from that. He comes out from the elevator at that point. And you were there with me though, Churchy. Yeah. And, you know, he kind of walks away, does his thing. And, and I just, I don't know, I'm just nervous. I, I don't like this idea of like, let me go interrupt people's lives. So I, I don't know, I, I went up to chat with him for a, a bit. I did limp over slowly all the way across the entirety of the lobby and uh, all of it and uh, said hi. And he signed my list and I told him how special 92 was with that show. And then, and then I said, okay, see you with his dog. I'm like, hi, Stu. And I kind of walked away. I'm like, I'm not asking for a picture. I'm like, get the heck out of here. So I walked back and I'm like shaking. And, and of course there's Churchy like, excuse me a moment. And leans over to Viv and, and kind of sits there as I walk away. He goes, hello, my Celtic cousin. And I said, oh boy. So I just got the hell out of there. <laughs> and there's Church and there's Churchy with his own beautiful, I guess, magic. And who does he? I, I get back to the table all the way across the lobby thinking I'm completely done. But but no, you know, Churchy 
has Viv and Stu kind of like, come on, let's, let's go have another chat with this girl. And I'm like, what are you doing? And so the dog, <laughs> this, this little dog comes over to me, Stu, and I'm like, oh my God, puppies. And, and then we start chatting a bit more. And, and I think you said, David, sure, something along the lines of let's, let's have a pick type of thing. I don't fully recall. I was kind of losing it. And then we get to have a picture with Viv. So, so you made that happen. It was beautiful. So that's what happened. Go, go, go. That, that was really sweet. Thank you no, for that. Brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Viv, always gracious, wonderful. Yes, it was. That was that was Judy's real two moments. And and it took me back. You know, I've been so blessed and privileged. I've met Def Leppard and individual members 18 times over <laughs> you know since 1996, you know, 30 years. And and it took me back to the first time that I met Phil, the first time I met Viv. So I had the tears and the goosebumps for her. But hey, I got to meet Rockstar Stu as well. Yeah. And he just about licked my left knee. Um, <laughs> that makes me worry though, because my left knee is a bit dodgy. And being a dog owner, we know that sometimes dogs are sniffing where things are not good. So uh, I hope my little is okay for a, a bit longer, you know? No, Rockstar Stu's probably been licking other parts of other dogs' bodies before he <laughs> well, left your yeah, name. You know. So I hope you watched, watched it. <laughs> but um, it, was, it was a little while later then that we, uh, we had the uh, incredible Rockstar moment, which is partly an overriding. Uh, memory. So I'd been going out, oh, just chilling out. There's free water, going outside, seeing what's happening. But on the Friday and the Saturday, there was about 15 guys outside. Now, these weren't your regular fans knowing or finding out where the band were. And, and you know, like I've been there, I've waited four or five hours and I've had a magical photograph, I've had something signed. In the UK, you know, we're very respectful. Hi, Joe. Hi, Sab. Nice to see you. Good show. I wonder if you could. Thanks so much. Would it be so kind? These were the big guys. So these guys were there with bags and bags of vinyl and pop vinyl and the, the, the UK flag guitars. And I was just, you know, trying to introduce myself, chat to a few people. Oh, so what, what, what treasures have you got? You know, what are you hoping to get signed? And blanked. I'm in a Def Leppard t-shirt, but I haven't got anything with me. But they're watching me going in and out, in and out, you know. So I'm thinking, okay. Anyway, a little while later, I got chatting to one guy who's an incredibly cool guy who was a genuine fan. And all he had was his copy of Estelia, and he had everybody's autograph except Joe's. And he'd been there on the Friday. I watched what happened on Friday. And he was there on a Saturday, just desperately hoping. So I'd go out, we had a lot of conversations. I took some things out to show him of what I got signed. He asked, could he take photographs? And, you know, I said to him, I said, I am you. Just this weekend, I am just so blessed. Just how this has happened. We've ended up in the same hotel with the band. And um, you saw what happened yesterday. Well, the same is going to happen today, which I'm about to get to. And I said, this is absolutely blowing my mind. So uh, he was appreciative of uh, some free water because he's baking outside. You know, he wants some food. He wants to go to the toilet, etc. So I said to Judy, I said, you know, I think this is pretty much it. It's going to be the same as uh, yesterday now, the band and crew management. will all gather together about uh, a certain time. So I said, um Let's just get ready for the show. So we got ready for the show. So we are there now in, you know, definitely t-shirts and they're, they're, they're uh, you know, 
family and friends, obviously, Def Empty shirts, all ready to go to the show. So this was the incredible uh, rock star moment because the day before the Friday, as soon as Sav came out, it was like a rugby scrum. It was like the paparazzi. Sav, 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 Sav. Sang this, all shoving things in his face. Exactly the same with Joe. Exactly the same thing with Phil. All the band members, you know, in the face. And I was thinking... But these are the eBay guys, you know, these are not your regular fans. And I thought, I really hope this guy does manage to get, you know, Joe's um, autograph. He's not on Facebook, but I said to him, I said, there's something you need to do. And I said, get your wife's permission to get on Facebook because I need to know the end of the story, whether you did actually get Joe's autograph in the end on your Estee LP to make it all worthwhile. She's like, oh, thank you, David. That's brilliant. Blah, 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 blah. So I managed to make a sale for our friend David Allen for his book because uh, David Allen's little promo card. So we said, hi, here we are. So we had a little photograph that uh, we sent to Dave in the WhatsApp group. So Dave was over the moon, a sale from Boston. And um, literally all the band gathered, suitcases, bags, management. And this SUV black limo pulls up and uh, it's our ride. So we wish them well. They don't know that we're coming to the meet and greet, like, you know, uh, see you later type thing, blah, blah, blah. Judy gets into the SUV. I walked around the other corner. All these guys now are pushing, you know, there's some scooty there. They're pushing, they're getting ready because they got the pens, they got the bags, they got the guitars ready. And I just walked around the corner and I was like, so I, I'll be respectful. Yeah. I was like, holy moly, macaroni. And I was just pointing at this SUV at the one guy I say, like, look at this that we had sounded to the gig in. And at that moment, he's like, safe travels, David. And all these other dudes were looking at him, like, how do you know this guy? And the band are literally walking out behind us. It was like, we're going first. So we're jumping yeah. in this SUV <laughs> oh as we go off, literally buckling up and turning around. And you can see them throwing everything, you know, in front of the band. And it was just like, this is like absolutely utterly, utterly bonkers, but utterly brilliant at the same time. So we arrived in style two days, yeah. two days in a row, you know, right up to where the will call was, and our meet and greet, uh, sign in the VIP check in, you know, literally hotel to to the desk in style. Yes. Okay, so you arrive in style, and you've got five minutes left to tell me what happened. Oh. <laughs> oh, which one? <laughs> I think it'd be there. Oh, oh, no, no, you go down. Well, five minutes to tell what happened. Um, well, a lot happened, but I think in the end, what was important was that we got to spend time, you know, as friends. Because it's one thing to be there as fans, and it's one thing to be part of this incredible ride. And, and you and I both, I mean, I've been there obviously for other shows, but this is now your second show in America back to back that it just, what was important for me was to, you know, that's the first time you and I have met. We've been friends for a really long time and we got to spend time together. And for all of the shows that I ended up going to, um, I went up on my own. You know, yeah. it was a very, it was a very singular experience. It was, you know, it, it, it felt, it felt, it felt like a, like a journey, you know, for, where I came back a completely different person in that sense, you know, it was such a beautiful thing. And, and to have one of my best good UK friends 
you know, there was really special. And especially with all of the things I was trying to gather to try to share with everybody. So I always felt the community there with me through all the shows I went to. Um, and as the community expanded to include other United fans in the U.S., actually, 90%, 95% of my friends, in the developer fans, our friends are from the U.K. and around the world. And we just now starting to do a couple of American friends that are great. But for me, that's really what was important. It was, it was just to show you a good time, to show you around. I love Boston. Boston, Massachusetts, that state is my favorite, one, one of my favorite states in America. And it just reminds you of, 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 of uh, London, actually. It reminds you of yeah. England in a lot of ways. It's really kind of special that we both culminated in a place that kind of felt like home for you. And it's always been home to me. So I felt like, all right, let me host this. I'm Dominican, so we have to host you in a certain way. I fed you, make sure things are good. <laughs> you had all these things. <laughs> Take great care of you if I do say so myself, Churchy. Um, you did the whole stats for the whole stats. Thank you. But for me, it was this experience of, you know, seeing the show through your eyes, really. You know, and and expand while also at the same time taking it for myself. So we ended up eventually in the front row section because um, they were closing that night, and that was my my second front row experience, and and it was just just so wild. And by then, the one thing you had skipped there, Churchy, was that you know we had the the good pleasure, the pleasure really of hanging out with. Um, well, you got into a little bit with uh, Ryan Sebastian and everything, because I had met him originally in Philly when my son was with me, and oh, and he had noticed my son's. I'm holding it up. The earpiece that I made for him is like a Rick Allen earpiece. And he's like, what on earth? So we got to chatting and he's just a regular guy. He actually reminds me of my brothers, like two of my brothers, the oldest and the youngest. And we were just chatting it up. But um, it was just really wild being up that close because you could see the mechanics of everything. You saw mm-hmm. Ross Halfins walking back and forth and his Ryan Sebastian. We're like, hey, what's going on? And just everything is right there. Um, I'm a little short. So unfortunately, even though I was front row, there were some challenges because some things were stacked up. This lovely gentleman basically allowed us to move to the left and he got, he got out of the way for whatever reason. He saw me with my cane and I'm trying to view and he goes, come here, come here, honey, come here. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was like, what are we doing? And I'm wearing my New York City hat too. And this is Boston. You don't do that, right? I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> he looked at me and, and he, I, you know, he said to me, you know, what's, what's going on? And I told him a little bit about my cane and my, my issues and stuff. And he just looked at me with this look of like, I feel like he probably had seen Def Leppard 20 times. And he said, no, no, come here, honey. You got to, you got to move closer. And I got more to the left a bit more. And then I could see. So that was awesome. But the whole experience for Saturday, being up that close to hear everybody, to have Churchy there being a banana pants crazy and just to, and also what was different, that's the, I was always usually towards Viv's side. This is more towards Phil and which meant for me being, you know, such a huge Rick Allen fan is that I got to see, you know, like the left part more of like, I could see his, his legs maneuver. And that's something that you don't, that you see in, in, in snapshots from me. So it was really mm-hmm. as a differently abled person to see another differently abled person destroying, totally kick ass up there like he always does. But to get the like the full view in that sense really just lit me up. It, it, it gives me such a sense of pride that of course, like I can do anything. Rick has always, for me, felt that way that no matter what kind of trouble I'm in or how much pain I'm in, there's no pain, man. I felt no pain <laughs> the entire time I was there. Rocky. Yeah, Rocky Balboa, no pain. but um, no pain. But then, you know, 
the whole show was amazing. We were able to experience not just all of that and the meet and greets and getting to chat that part up and, you know, realizing they have seen me a bunch of times because a lot of them were meeting greets too. I'm like, hi, yeah. you know, we had our flags and I said, no, no, I'm here for the, for the world community. We're good. And they really felt like took that in and saying, all right, that's cool. Cause we had our, our flags, Dominican flag and a Welsh flag draped in the front. <laughs> so they, they saw us, you know, um, they spent a lot of the time, you know, during the course of the show, but they pointed every like at people and everything. But once they spotted us, it just felt like they just kept going like, Hey, it's you guys. Hey, it's you guys. I'm like, yes, it's us. <laughs> Especially as it was over, every single band member acknowledged us and waved. And it was just, it felt so beautiful. And then, of course, having us, I mean, listen, just to have us be recorded during Hysteria, my favorite song of all time. And honestly, he started recording. I saw Ryan Sebastian and then I was lost. I didn't know David was there. I didn't know there was anybody just Ryan in front of me. I was just singing my heart out, man, during that video and totally forgot all about it. And then obviously for photograph when, you know, we got, I cannot believe we were up there. I still cannot believe we were in the big screen up there like that. And just, wow. I I, I don't know. I don't know. that That's. Please, David Church, continue. <laughs> right. I, I I stopped around midday for Judy to go in the afternoon. Judy's gone straight to the night, so I'll bring it back to the afternoon now. So the meet and greet was insane. Judy and I decided we were going to go in last of all, didn't we, Judy? And yes. we were just going to chill. We were just going to take a time. So we went into the stadium tour exhibit, which was stunning. We were on the absolute top of like the stadium roof. They had this private little room. And to see the stadium tour exhibit that we've all seen on the vault, but to see it with your own eyes and, you know, you're standing right there. So all the pink Sav girls, like Shelley Carr, for example, Helen Thomas, they look at that. <gasps> it's the pink Sav and everything. Oh, look. Okay, here's Viv's guitars, here's Phil's guitars, you know, different things in each one. And then Metallica, Enter Sandman. Boom, 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 boom. It's pumping in my head, and I'm thinking, let me have Steph Leopard. What's Metallica all about? And um, I, I, I hear this little voice again remind me that um, Kirk Hammett, Metallica, were the first band to take the, the a touring exhibit with them. And mm. I remember reading an interview with Kirk Hammett about sneaking one of his guitar plectrums into his case so judy's just looking at me strangely like what's he doing and i'm running my fingers all the way up inside i said oh what's this <laughs> and oh be careful not to push in he's to pull out now i don't have any nails so i just go very carefully like this next thing you know i'm like look at this judy and there's rick savage's uh you know signature dime star halo's plectrum in my hand <gasps> Straight away into the wallet, blah 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 blah. It had to be done. Joe's microphone stand, put the Welsh flag over it, take some photos, do a little bit of rocking out, and um, you know, just watching other people, you know. And I'm chilled and cool and not nervous. I'm just totally enjoying it. Walking into the room and seeing about 40 guitars all signed by Def Leppard and Motley Crue. This was for the, the charity every night, $20, buy down Star Halos or Motley Crue's The Dirt soundtrack, and money will go to this children's hostel, and you can win this signed guitar, black ones, white ones, and just watching people, we can kind of see Def Leppard just a little bit through the sort of the silhouette of them, rather, through, through the black uh, screen. And then it comes to me and Judy, and uh, we decided what we we're going to do, so I was just going to go in there as, you know, crazy Welsh boys, normal, and uh, <laughs> Judy's going to follow in, so... 
just just had a bit of fun. I take the Welsh flag in and I just burst in. Shamai, Borodar, Cymru Myth, Christ, you are Burger King. Welcome to Burger King. You know, all just basic Welsh phrases you need to know in life. <laughs> and Joe lays out this big belly laugh and he turns to the guy who I didn't realise at the time is taking going to take the photographs and Joe Les on a big bailer. One of your lot, yeah. So I had to explain to Judy, meant it's like one of your tribe is right. And um, we just had a laugh, we had a conversation, and it was amazing for me just to stand in front of all of the band in the 45th year celebration of their flatbed and just face to face, eye to eye, you know, six feet away, all five together, just say, Thank you for the honour and privilege of being showcased on the Deaf Leopard Vault and playing a tiny little part in these wonderful celebrations. Uh, chatting to Rick then, so reminding Rick, so the Johnny Calder EP from Judy. Here's Judy. Oh, hello. Hey, Judy. And now he's seen us <laughs> together because he'd only seen us separately. You know, it's connecting the dots and everything. Um, then we had a chat about a mutual friend. Uh, that uh, Joe Sav and uh, we 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 share, so we would obviously keep that mutual friend private. So that was that was like really cool and unexpected. And then it was time for the photographs. And uh, once we wrapped up, then Judy came in, so the Welsh flag, the Dominican Republic flag, ending in style. And then thanking Jess and thank you guys and all the best. We'll enjoy the show later. And I know from a previous meet and greet that if you've just been in the meet and greet, they know you, and they particularly do recognise if you've been upstairs a few hours mm. before the show. But, you know, when you say in, Phil, we're going to be on your side. <laughs> Welsh flag, Dominican Republic flag, there's no way they're not going to see you. So, yeah, like yeah. Judy said, Phil is coming over. we got a brilliant <laughs> picture, Phil smiling, Phil Pichero, Sam, oh. Joe pointing straight at this. And even leaving at the end of the night, every one of them waving and acknowledging yeah. tremendous, you know, and a way to go. That's cool. And then we just walk into the stadium exhibit. So you can take photos. A lot of fans were so nervous. They wanted to meet the band first, take photos later. And we literally just came out. We met this lovely couple and the woman was crying. And we said to him yeah. earlier, you'll be crying. And said to the husband. <laughs> and he was even, I said, come on. <laughs> yeah, let's do good. Yeah, okay. He said, I'm crying. Yeah. And Judy had a lovely picture with the lady. And then as yeah. they were about to leave, this was a magical moment for me then. All of a sudden, the door just burst open and the the the, the mask is gone now, so I can see who this guy is. And it's the guy who's done the uh, meet me pictures. Oh, Bert, that was absolutely brilliant. Where are you from, Bert? Blah, blah. Comes over, greets me like a long-lost kindred spirit. Judy's taking all these photographs. I'm like, no way. You're not Richard Proctor. Here He's like, I am. How do you know me? Well, you and I got a mutual friend. So Richard Proctor... Crew member uh, produced the Sparkle Lounge Volume One and Two books back in the day. Been with the band since at least obviously the Sparkle Lounge tour, taking all the meet and greet photographs on uh, leg two. And uh, turns out the Rich lives twenty minutes down the road in South Wales from where we're from. We've got a mutual friend. We drink in the same pubs, and we just have this like weird twenty minutes speaking in Wenglish. So Jesus. <laughs> The hell are these guys talking about? It was, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and me and Rich, he's all the way. So, all right, Maka, how's it going? Maka, is you a mate up in Liverpool? All right, Maka, but blah, blah, blah. I'm just having this surreal conversation and then looking at the flag and me and Rich taking a picture of the flag. And I was like, is anybody else from Wales come over? 
or one guy in the Florida show, but that was it. So, you know, I could imagine Joe backstage, go and talk to your tribe member, you know, one of you were <laughs> out there. <laughs> and we had a 20 minute chat, yeah. which was phenomenal. But you know about the big screen, you know about the vlog. And we made a point in me, Judy, of having almost coffee time with Ryan in the hotel. 20 minute yeah. chat with Ryan, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he's a fan, like, yes, he's living the dream. Yeah, he <laughs> talked about you know, the band, though, the living the dream. Yeah, yeah, you look at the vlog, Joe Ryan, Ryan, come look at this, yeah. Ryan. We're like, oh, this is this is mental, just the coolest yeah. down to us, dude. And pictures yes. with Ryan and told us, you know, I'll get you in the show later. And we're like, we owe you a beer. <laughs> when you come to the UK, we owe you a beer, you know? For, so, for sure. <laughs> geeking out, man. We were geeking we were, out together. It was great. Oh, Def Leppard nerds together. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Listen, Churchy, Judy, I was going to ask you a question to yeah. finish off, but I'm not because I've just been listening to you for like, for like the last 15 minutes. <laughs> and what is genuinely heartwarming is just you sharing that like incredible adventure that you've just had. It was more than just going to a gig, this wasn't it? And that's quite clear for anyone listening to it. <laughs> like, and in so many multifaceted ways, was it more than just going to a gig or a series of gigs? It truly was like an incredible adventure and incredible experience for you. So what we're gonna do is we're just gonna leave on just that sort of that enthusiasm, that heart on the sleeve, that emotion and all that excellent articulation you've just done of for you judy those six shows and for you churchy those two shows that just leads me to say thank you very very much for coming on again to def leopard <laughs>